Earthquakes are amazing phenomena that can in minutes completely change our perception of reality. What we had counted on, trusted in, taken for granted as solid or even permanent, unshakable, is suddenly shaken apart and often never the same again. Life brings earthquake-like experiences for all of us, whether we want them or not. We cannot control that. But to some degree, what we can and must control is our reaction to them. Sometimes everything we thought we knew about God, about Jesus, and even about what's important or impressive in life gets shaken. Might there be some hidden value, some hidden treasure to be gained from these oh-so-uncomfortable experiences? The answer is yes. Well, good morning. How many believe that confession is good for the soul? Can I see your hands? <laughs> okay, confess. Who was the first one to spill coffee on our new carpet? <laughs> Did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? <laughs> All kidding aside, we got a new carpet after 15 years. The old carpet was just one continuous stain. You couldn't tell because, <laughs> you know, you were standing over them. And, but really, it really truly was. Um, okay. We want you to relax. We want you to enjoy your coffee in here. And if you should spill it, will you just do us one favor? Will you just let someone know so that we can come in here and we can clean it up and kind of keep up with this carpet so that it lasts another 15 years? Now, the good thing about this carpet is if you utterly destroy it, we can just pull up one square. So the other carpet was all one big square. Now, I know some of you are disappointed. You, you dancers that sit in this section, the dance floor is gone. So... Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. No more dancing. <laughs> so you'll have to contain yourself. Dance at home. <laughs> All right, this is the last message in the series, and it's going to take quite a turn. So we're going to start out by asking a question. What's impressive? Now, if we were to ask most people, they probably come up with things like, well, you know, scientific breakthroughs, medical breakthroughs, um, worldwide uh, high-level achievements. Some people would talk about, well, there's awards for actors and actresses and singers and so forth and athletes. We talk about a lot of different things that most people would recognize as impressive. And, and it is. It's, it's impressive when somebody takes the skills and abilities and opportunities, talents they have, they hone them, they take them to the highest level and utilize it. No, no denying there. Let me add something else that I think most would say yes. This is impressive. I got a few pictures to show you. Tokyo. How many have ever been to Tokyo? Anybody? Neither have I. Oh, you have. Okay. 39, can you see this? 39 million people in this extraordinary, sophisticated city with a beautiful mountain behind it. That's bigger than a lot of nations. Here's another one. Jakarta. 35 million, again, beautiful city, very impressive. I mean, the, the things that human beings can do when they put their minds together. Another one, Chongqing, I probably mispronounced that, 32 million in China. Again, just stunning, the skyline, uh, what human beings can do. Impressive, really impressive. So let me go to this. <laughs> eh. It's all the way you look at it, <laughs> right? So, I mean, it's kind of charming, is it not? Uh, not quite like Chong Quinn, but it's charming, charming. So we ask this question, what's impressive? And most people would look at some of the structures, and there's these amazing structures now all over the world, like uh, I, I probably mispronounced this, but the, the Burke Khalifa in Dubai, the tallest building in the world. I mean, some of these things are just amazing, impressive, very impressive. But if you were to ask me, because I don't trust my own wisdom, but I just learn what I have from God and His Word, if you were to ask me, how do you measure what's impressive? What's impressive, according to God, is that which is unshakable. If it's shakable, according to God, it's really not impressive. Now, the problem with me is that I can become uh, really moved by some things that according to God are not impressive they, they impress me and so God wants to help us to have a better ability to discern what is actually really impressive and 
and what's not impressive. And, and the basis that he gives us in his word is, is this thing that we are considering impressive, is it shakable? So I'm going to read a rather long portion of scripture to you, and it's a really jolting portion of scripture. How many have ever read the book of Revelation? How many understand it so much you'd love to teach a class on it? <laughs> By the way, we, I actually did that some years back, and you can go online on our YouTube page, and at the bottom you'll see Bible Institutes, and I taught through the book of Revelation. I've also done extensive teaching on Bible prophecy through the years. You can find that there as well. When you come to this verse that I'm going to read to you, there's been a series of seven seal judgments that have occurred on earth, and there's been seven trumpet judgments and now there's these bowl judgments. This is the last one. We're, we're, when you look at this verse that I'm going to share with you, it's, it's right at the edge, maybe a month out from the very return of the Lord Jesus, maybe even less than that. So here it is, Revelation 16, 17. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done meaning that, that the necessary work that had to be done on earth before the return of Christ, it was done with this last bowl. It goes on. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe what? Earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake that the great city, meaning Jerusalem, split in three parts. Now, this is the thing I wanted you to see. And the cities of the nations did what? Picture that for a minute. Tokyo, 32 million people, or 39 million people collapsed. Jakarta, I think it was 32 million, collapsed. Chongqing, China, 32 million, collapsed. Every city, picture every great city, New York City, collapsed. Every great city, this earthquake is going to level every city it goes on to talk about the topography a little bit more it says every island fled away and the mountains could not be found I don't even know what that means uh, other than that, that there's such a shaking there's such a breaking up of the, the face as it were of the earth Isaiah talks about that that nothing that was once so impressive and seemed so permanent nothing's left standing now I want to ask you a question does the world change in a day if this happens if there's an earthquake a physiological earthquake that levels every city and so jolts the planet that islands and mountains are impossible to even find anymore does that change what's important to a person instantly how many would agree with that statement you know your career your job your your lawn <laughs> might have all been important no more no more and your lawn has those stripes it's impressive no more <laughs> I wish I knew how to do that I don't know how to do that actually don't tell me because then I'll try to do that and it's just I've done without it this long it's okay so why is this especially significant relevant because I'm just going to assume some of you are sitting here saying, Randy, you're talking about this big earthquake. Why is that relevant to me? Do you understand what I'm struggling with at home? Do you know what I'm struggling with at work? Do you, do you know what's going on in my life right now? Why would this be relevant to me? Well, I'm going to give you something to think about. This is from the U.S. government earthquakes, and these are 6.0 and above earthquakes. All right? You can see back between 1900 and 1909, they measured 288 6.0 and above earthquakes. 1950 to 1959, it grew some, 451. 1990 to 1999, 1,499. Gave a list of signs. He actually gave a list of 18 signs that would precede his return. And how many know that earthquakes 
increasing earthquakes, intense earthquakes. How many knew that that was one of the signs? Can I see your hand? Well, it is. So maybe this is more relevant for you and I that are alive today in 2021 than for any other group of human beings that have ever walked on the planet. Maybe. So I think the Spirit of God is trying to get this generation, me, you, us, to first of all detach our souls from things that are shakable or shakable things. It could be, it's likely, probably has been for all of us, that our souls, knowingly or unknowingly, were, were greatly attached. We were impressed by, we were may, maybe in pursuit of things that are shakable, things that are not going to last, things that are not going to have ongoing value. They, they seem really valuable. They seem really important. They, they seem worthy of pursuit, but, but they're not. And it could be that because we're alive in 2021, that the Spirit of God is trying to really convince us to wake up and to detach our souls from shakable things. Listen to this verse from 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. It says, don't fall in love with what? This corrupt world. Now, does God have to tell me don't fall in love with this corrupt world un unless there's a likelihood that I can be attracted by this corrupt world? In other words, he's lovingly warning me from something that I am vulnerable to doing. I am vulnerable to being so impressed with society, with this world, with its achievements, with its accomplishments, with, which, with its glitter and glamour, with its bait, with its carrot on the stick. That God lovingly says, don't, don't do it, Randy. Don't, don't let it win your heart, man. Don't let it win your affection. He goes on to give a better description. He says, don't fall in love with this corrupt world or worship the things it can offer. Well, well what can it offer? The, those who love its corrupt ways don't have the Father's love living within them. Do you know what he's saying there? He's saying, Randy, if you're, if you're falling in love with this world, if you're drawn to this world, if you're impressed with this world, if, if, you're, if you're excited and in pursuit of the things this corrupt world offers... If you're attracted to it, Randy, it's because the love of the Father is not in you. Because if the love of the Father was ruling and reigning in your heart, you would see it as corrupt. You would see it as destructive. You would see it as something that just grinds humanity to powder and spits it out generation after generation after generation. Let me just ask a question. How many of you <laughs> You're going to be scared to answer this. How many of you spend eh, some time on social media? Can I see your hands? Okay. Is there anyone in here that's ever felt a pang in their heart because of something that was said or not said about you on social media? How many have ever felt a little, little pang? Can I see your hands? And some of us, were we to tell the whole story, we say, you know, I've had my heart broken. I've had my heart ripped out. I have, Randy, I have been depressed because of some things that were said and were not said about me on social media. Because I didn't have as many likes as somebody else had. There, we know this. There are kids. Our kids today are being slaughtered by social media. Listen, when, when, I'm going to tell you, my life, my life was not easy growing up, all right? But never, ever ever did I have the slightest thought about killing myself I was fighting to stay alive I was struggling to stay alive it wasn't always good there were heartbreaks there was pain there was loneliness there was knowing what it's like to never be loved or have someone tell you that they love you but I never wanted to die these kids today they're getting so beat up by social media they want to die this, this is a dangerous dangerous trend it's a corrupt world it's a world that grinds you to powder and spits you out and forgets you quick it says if you're drawn to that world love of the father's not in you because the love of the father would make you see it, it's it's ugly it's it's destructive it's deceitful it goes on 
all the things the world can offer so now we, we see what it uses all the things that it can offer to you here's first number one on the list what the world can offer the allure of what pleasure it does offer some pleasure all different kinds of pleasure we have more variety of pleasure at our fingertips than any generation of human beings that have ever lived on the planet the passion to have what things just stuff just buy stuff just have stuff and the pompous sense of what superiority try and find ways to favorably compare ourselves to others it's feeling good about yourself because you're a little bit better a little bit faster you're a little bit smarter you're a little bit richer than, than someone else matter of fact that's one of the problems it says do not come from the father all these things this allure of pleasure this passion to have things and this pompous sense of superiority they don't come from the father these are rotten fruits of this world it goes on this corrupt world is already what wasting away it's an inevitable self-destructive cycle inevitable as are its selfish desires but the person really doing God's will that person will never what never cease to be they'll live forever so the world baits us with pleasure it baits us with things it baits us with feeling good about ourselves as we can compare ourselves in some area favorably to someone else it gives us a false sense of self-worth what 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 the world does is it draws us into a foreign land a foreign land called the land of of Ur how many ever on your maps your global maps have ever located the land of Ur please don't raise your hand (laughs) (laughs) but we all know about the land of Ur newer I want something newer I want to get rid of that old furniture I want newer furniture I want something nicer that that house that I had was not nice enough I need a nicer house that 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 car I had was it was running it was getting me from A to B but 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 I needed nicer newer nicer bigger I need I need a bigger house I need bigger closets for more stuff right never have enough stuff we have garages we don't put our cars in garages anymore we can't I can't (laughs) newer nicer bigger better smarter richer the land of Ur and it just keeps us running it just keeps us running it just keeps us chasing and it keeps us excited in the pursuit until all of a sudden last heartbeat and maybe we get a fleeting a fleeting thought to think to ourselves, the heck was this all about what, what, what did what did any of it mean you see the problem with with pleasures is they don't last long enough in this world and so pursuing pleasures it's always going to end up disappointing the problem with possessions is they just don't satisfy us on the deepest levels we keep trying to have more we think it's going to satisfy us on the deepest levels but it doesn't it just makes us want more and more and more (laughs) we know this we know that the richest people you know the Elon Musks of the world they never have enough the possessions are never enough because we're trying to satisfy eternal desires with temporal things and the pride of life you know that that comparing ourselves favorably to others it never gives us a sense of lasting value worth esteem that's what we want so we compare ourselves favorably I may be dumb but I'm not as dumb as you (laughs) You I may be you know I may not be so fast but I'm faster than you you know (laughs) I mean we do this crazy stuff we take each other apart to feel a little bit better but it never gives us what we want a stable lasting unshakable sense of self-worth only God can give that and he does he does by the way it's his free gift to everybody you if you are tormented about your self-worth 
I've said it before in recent messages. Please just take this to heart. You were created by Christ. He created you for himself. He loves you. And he proved it completely when he went to the cross and died for you. You don't have to run any faster, jump any higher. You don't have to prove yourself to yourself or to anybody else. Your sense of self-worth is given to you by Christ. Thank you. So why else would looking at this last earthquake, this earthquake that's going to dismantle society, uh, why, why else might that be important? 1 Corinthians 7 tells us about how we can balance this pull. It's a tug. It's a magnetic force that the world and all of its pleasures and all of its possessions and all of its favorable comparisons, it pulls on us. But this kind of teaches us how we can sort of equalize things. 1 Corinthians 7.31, it says, those who use the things of the world, we all have to use the things of the world. We all have to live somewhere. We all have to eat something. We all have to sit on something. It's nothing to feel guilty about. Those who use the things of the world should not become, what does it say? Attached. Now, the thing about owning anything is that once you own something, it owns you a little bit, doesn't it? You buy a car, you have to take care of it, right? So now it owns you a little bit. You buy a pet, it owns you a lot, right? You buy a boat. It owns you. What, what's that funny old saying they say about boat owners? The, the best day of a boat owner is the day they buy the boat and the day they get rid of the boat. <laughs> it's just a truism. But we should not become attached to them. For this world as we know it, it will soon what? You say, Randy, that's just dumb. That was written 2,000 years ago, and the world's still here. So what's, what's this soon, this soon? How many know about that verse in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, where it says, A day with the Lord is as, can you say it? A thousand years. And a thousand years is as a day. So soon pass away is is true when you're looking at things from the eternal perspective but let me just share this with you it is it is far more more true for you and i today i'm going to show you some things some of you are going to be familiar with them but i'm going to show you why it's so relevant today for you and i to understand that we need to detach ourselves from things that are shakable because there's never been a time like today there's never been a generation like ours that there's never been this soon pass away has more relevance to you and I than any generation of beings of humans that have ever lived on this planet you don't know I don't know we, we don't know because we were born into this society how, how many of you have always had electricity in your house can I see your hands <laughs> we don't feel that's very unique do you do you feel like you're special because you have electricity no no we've always had electricity but you're special of the 108 billion people that have ever lived and died on planet earth you and i are probably in the two to three percentile just having electricity separates a picture this 108 billion people ever lived and died most of them vast majority 97 maybe 98 percent of them could not flick a switch and say let there be light you know but we don't even think anything of it i'm going to show you uh, a little graph that takes this to a whole different level now let me get on this side of this one since it starts here down here you have the printing press i don't know if you can see this or not and that's you know around 14 14, 14, 1450 the gutenberg uh, printing press and then you can see the telescope and then the steam engine right in here 1700s telegraph 1800s the light bulb 18 1850 and then the telephone you know 1900s then you get over here I want you to see this line is rather flat it's rather gradual from 14 to 19 but I want to take it out here I'm going to draw this line way back here okay maybe I don't want to fall off the stage because that would be memorable would it not you should have been in church man Pastor Randy fell off the stage I think he broke his back but it was okay it was so funny Um, 
so I'm pulling this line way back here and I'm going to take it all the way back to Adam and were we to follow this line that, that 108 billion people there, there's generation after generation generation after generation generation after generation the line would be flat nothing changed you wanted to communicate with someone you had just think of this you had to actually go and face to face talk within earshot you had to do that imagine having to do that we don't even want to talk on the phone anymore we want text <laughs> so everything was flat through most of human history and then it starts to just gradually gradually but then when you come to our time look at what's happening this is all these hybrid cars YouTube first 3D chip, 3D movies, all, all this stuff. It's, it's just, it's skyrocketing. You say, what's the big deal about that? Because the book of Daniel, chapter 12, it talks about the end of time, the end of days, the time just before the, the return of Christ. And one of the signs, says Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, is that knowledge would be increased and transportation, rapid transportation, would expand, you know. And we, we've lived to see that. We are the only ones that have lived to see this knowledge explosion. No other generation. You are in the 2 to 3% three, 3 of human beings that have ever lived on the planet. No one's ever lived like us. That's why this passage is relevant, this earthquake thing, this earthquake passage. The earthquakes are, are multiplying in our day. Now, I'm going to take you somewhere now that... Uh, it's very valuable for everyone in this room, but it may not be very comfortable for everyone in this room. So you have to bear with me a little bit. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus' last five days before he went to the cross, he was at the temple mount, at the temple with his disciples, and these guys were very, very impressed by the temple. And you would have been, and I would have been impressed by the temple too. The temple in Jesus' day was the product of a 46-year rehabilitation process by the Herods. Okay, 46 years. Matter of fact, on the lists, in the ancient list of the seven wonders of the world, on many of those lists was this Jewish temple. It was stunning. It was astounding. And so Jesus is there at the temple. His disciples are with him, and they're very impressed as they should have been by this magnificent structure. This is the context. Jesus left and was going away from the where? Temple. When his disciples came to him to call his attention to its buildings, they're like, Lord, is that spectacular or what? Man, nobody's got a temple like us, Lord. You know, they're, they're going on. They're impressed. Yes, he said, you may well look at these. I tell you this. Not a single stone here will be left in its place. In other words, it's shakable, guys. Don't be impressed with shakable stuff. Not a single stone here will be left in its place. Every one of them will be what? Thrown down. Now, Jesus said that somewhere around 33 A.D. 37 years later to the day, 37 years later, that temple was, in fact, just as Jesus predicted, Torn, torn down stone by stone and about 100,000 Jews were crucified by the Romans Titus a Roman general came into Jerusalem and he destroyed it let me share a few verses or a few other facts with you let me go on uh, oh I'm sorry I, I, I forgot to go, go back go back I'll, I'll pause there and then come back that one so he comes in and he destroys Jerusalem now in this passage the very next thing that the disciples say to Jesus they say, Lord, when will this occur? And, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Three questions. When does this occur? Talking about the tearing down of the temple. What will be the sign of your coming? Meaning when he would rise to rule the world as the Messiah and the end of the age. They put all this together in their minds. Jesus then spends the rest of the time in Matthew 24... If you have never read, if you have never studied Matthew 24, if you don't study any other portion of Scripture pertaining to the predictive prophecies of the Bible, one of the things that sets the Bible completely apart from any other so-called religious book on the planet is that about 
20, 25% to one-third of it is predictive prophecy where God, who knows the future, tells events well in advance, names specific names of cities and nations, events that you can, you can look at them and see if they occur or not. No other religion on the planet has that. If they give prophecies at all, they are vague. You know, things like, oh, in the last days, things will get rough. But, but no, the Bible gives specifics. It, it names nations. It talks about events. So Jesus in Matthew 24 he gives about 18 signs things that are going to occur on earth before his second coming he wants his people to know when he's coming he wants his people to be watching for his coming he wants his people to be watching and understanding the signs that precede his coming now inevitably inevitably there's somebody here that's probably thinking to themselves but Randy why, why bother with the signs it says in scripture he's going to come like a thief in the night right how many have ever read that Jesus said he's going to come like a thief in the night are you also aware that when that term is used it's reiterated in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 4 in the New Testament and then the verses that come after 5 6 and Paul says Indeed, Jesus will come like a thief in the night for the unbelieving world, for those that could care less about God, that are not interested in his grace and his love and his truth. They will be the ones caught by this event like a thief in the night. But it goes on to say in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, But you, brothers, you, sisters, you that are Christ followers, will not be caught that way. Amen. Amen. But it'll only be true if you know the signs. If you, don't, if you don't know the signs, it won't be true. In fact, in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 3, Christ is speaking to a church called the church of Sardis, and he says specifically to them, he says, unless you guys wake up, unless you wake up, the day will catch you like a thief in the night. He's saying there will be people that identify as Christ followers who are just as ignorant of the signs and will also be caught completely off guard. Now, I want to say this. Matthew 24 gives you at least 18 signs, but the Bible is loaded with them. They are all over the Bible. And once again, if you're interested in knowing more about this, I've done extensive teaching on this stuff in the Bible Institute. You go to the YouTube channel, go to the bottom of the page, you, you can find a lot of this stuff if, if you're interested. So, Jesus then goes on after this to give them a bunch of signs. Now I'm going to take you to that Hosea passage. This was written about 770 B.C. And Hosea, the prophet, says, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, without a prince, and without what? Without a sacrifice. Keep that in mind. That will make sense more in a minute. Without a sacrifice. Now mind you, Hosea is predicting this 770 BC that's 770 years before Christ was even incarnated born into this world and without an image and without an ephod and without a teraphim after, afterwards shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness when Israel's going to return return from where and, and, and we know when they're going to return in the latter days and they're going to go a long time without a sacrifice as well as a lot of other things let me go to the next slide this was written 1463 BC folks this was written the Israelites had been called out of Egypt they had traveled for 40 years because of their disobedience to God they didn't go straight to the promised land but now Joshua is about to take over they're going to go into the promised land so it's 1463 BC they're going to function as a nation for nearly 1,500 years, but the Lord predicts their entire future before they ever step foot in Canaan, before they ever become a nation. He predicts their future, and it's a future of ups and downs and ultimate disobedience. But then, then listen to this. And the Lord, because of the seven cycles of discipline that he lays out in his word in Leviticus, he says, the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. When you are in, what is the word? Tribulation. tribulation. In that Matthew 24, verse 15, Jesus said, 
There's coming a time when there will be what he called great tribulation, such as the world has never seen. And he said, so great will be the tribulation of that time that if the time were not cut short, no one would survive. We started out reading about an earthquake that flattens every city, moves every mountain, moves every island. Does that sound like it could be almost an extinction event? Yeah. So when you're in great tribulation and all these things come upon you in when? Latter days. This term, latter days, last days, it's used again and again for this little squeeze, this little compressed period of time, seven years, but especially the last three and a half years of it are when this tribulation, the great tribulation starts in the three and a half year period. So here's God predicting their future and how they're going to turn back. They're going to be scattered, but then they're going to come back. Let me give you one more. Deuteronomy 30, then the Lord your God will gather you again. So they're scattered all over the nations. Then he'll gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. He will bring you to the land that what? Belong to your ancestors. And you will do what with that land? So get the picture. Before they ever stepped into Canaan, before they ever became a nation, God predicts their whole future. And he says, ultimately, because you're going to so misrepresent me, I'm going to have to just scatter you, let nations overrun you, scatter you all over the world so that the disinformation that your bad behavior is giving about me won't be so ruinous. He says, but at the end of time, at the end of the age, just before everything starts to unwind, he says, I'm going to bring you guys back from the nations whereby I've scattered you, and I'm going to put you back in possession of your own land. Now, let me show you some things. 70 A.D., Jesus. Jesus in 33, approximately 33 A.D., said the temple will be destroyed. 37 years later, 70 A.D., as I mentioned earlier, it was destroyed. 1,878 years later, uh, Israel was, or excuse me, for 1878 years, Israel was not a nation. So when the temple was destroyed, Israel ceased to be a nation. P picture something like this China launches a sneak attack on us, and the United States ceases to be a nation for 1878 years. But then after 1878 years, we come back and take possession again of this land this this continent that we we live on this north american continent and become a nation again that that's what's happened 1878 years israel didn't exist as a nation and all those predictions in the bible about them being regathered to their land look ridiculous they, they allowed people to mock the bible frankly because israel didn't exist as a nation we read that Hosea passage where it said that they would be a long time without a sacrifice. That's temple talk. In the temple, they brought animal sacrifices. Every lamb was just an image of what Christ would ultimately do. They've been, to, to this day, up to now, 1,951 years with no sacrifice. Israel has not had a sacrifice since this event. The temple was destroyed. No more sacrifices for 1,951 years, just like Hosea said that it would be but then in May 14th 1948 after Adolf Hitler tried to kill every Jew on the planet and did a darn good job of it he killed about six million amazingly 1948 Israel is reborn as a nation fulfilling after 1870 what we just read in the latter days they will take possession of their land again. This is an enormous fulfillment of prophecy, which is why it's so relevant for you and I to detach from things that are shakable and anchor our souls on things that are unshakable. Be because you've got to see this. We are the unique generation that is living in this fulfillment of prophecy, and I could just show you hours and hours of this stuff but we don't have the time for that June, 197, uh, June the 7th 1967 Israel captures the capital of Jerusalem why is that significant because in the book of Zechariah chapter 14 you can read it on your own it's, it's you know, one of the last books in your Old Testament just before Malachi Zechariah chapter 14 verse 1 through 5 it says in the last days of Israel's history the last days of human history before the return of Christ you have Jerusalem being attacked by multiple nations and you read it on your own you have Jesus returning in Zechariah 
chapter 14 verse 1 through 5 and his feet standing on the mount of olives so what are, what's going to be happening on planet earth when jesus returns the nations are going to be attacking jerusalem but israel didn't have possession of jerusalem until 1967 when they were attacked in the six-day war and they won back their capital jerusalem folks we're, we're, we're living in the fulfillment of the most astounding prophecies any generation has ever seen remember that knowledge explosion we're the ones we're the two to three percent nobody's ever lived like you or I we're the same ones that have lived to see these amazing fulfillments of the rebirth of the nation Israel the recapture of Jerusalem by the way one of the things in Ezekiel 38 and 39 you see is a, a, a war predicted in the Middle East, a massive war. And every nation, you look at it on your own, every nation, that, nation that's named in Ezekiel 38, every one of them attacks a restored Israel, and they are all unique in one regard. Every single one of them is Islamic. Now, how did God know that in advance? Ezekiel was written 2,600 years ago. You know what the number one nation is that's going to attack Israel on the list? You want to know what their name is? Iran. You want to know another one? Turkey. You want to know another one? Sudan. Read them on your own. It mentions some of the Soviet satellite nations that, that are all Islamic. Now, everyone, God has predicted the geopolitical, sociological situation that we find on earth today, the technological explosion, the knowledge explosion, the demographic explosion. How many of you knew that we didn't even reach 1 billion until about 1850? But now we're at almost 8 billion. Everything has escalated tremendously. Why is it relevant for you and I to think about these things, to watch and to be waiting? Because Jesus said in Matthew, or excuse me, in Luke 21, verse 34 through 36, he said when he was talking about the, the circumstances prior to his return, he said one of the problems, one of the dangers is that his people will be absorbed with everyday things and will not know what's happening folks I'm going to be frank with you it's not to insult anybody just going to tell you the truth most people that I've encountered in the past 35-40 years of being a Christian they don't know anything about Bible prophecy they don't know anything about what's happening in the nations of the world daily news and they don't care they, they care about you know how's their job going how's their key relationships going how's their health going how do they feel emotionally? And I'm not knocking that. that. That's okay. But I'm telling you, folks, if there's ever a generation of people, I'm kind of pleading with you that needs to get their head out of the sand. And this may not apply to you. Your head may not be in the sand. But I'm telling you, the vast majority that I've met through the years, they don't know what God's predicted. They don't know we're the generation. They don't understand what's happening in the world. They don't understand that Israel and Iran could clash tonight. I mean, is, how many of you know that Israel has been openly saying they're making plans to... Uh, attack Iran because of Iran's determination to develop a nuclear weapon how, how many of you know they are openly stating that I'm just see your hands curious okay good so we're in a unique time and we're unique people let me go on this is why we need to anchor our souls to unshakable things if ever there was a generation that needs to detach from shakable things that land of error cycle, that, that propensity to just get absorbed with life and not be aware of what, what's going on. We're the generation that needs to wake up and anchor our soul to unshakable things. I'll share a couple of verses with you. Hebrews 12, verse 26. This is God talking. He says, Once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken that is created things so that that what cannot be shaken may remain it goes on therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be what cannot be shaken let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe Th this thing of shaking in the book of Isaiah verse or chapter 13 verse 13 it says there's a time coming where 
the planet will be shaken. In fact, in Isaiah 24, verse 19 and 20 says this too. They complement each other. They're written in the same time frame. It will be shaken like a drunk. It said the earth will reel back and forth like a drunken man. In Isaiah 13, 13 says the earth will be shaken out of its place. I don't know what that means. I mean, I mean, does that mean we slip out of orbit? I don't know. I, I do know this. When you read the book of Revelation, the things that happen as society starts to you know, break apart are pretty big. And the last one I share with you is this massive earthquake. So we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. This gives us hope. Let me share this verse with you. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Therefore, with minds that are alert, Jesus was constantly urging his people, watch. Matthew 24, he says, watch, don't be caught by surprise. Luke 21, watch, don't be caught by surprise. Revelation 3, 3, watch, don't be caught by surprise. Don't you, me, we be those that it comes upon us like a thief in the night. In fact, I'm going to just go further. Did you know that Christ is going to return in the fall? Randy, that's crazy. Nobody knows that. Yes, we do. If you want to know more about it, I taught on it extensively, where that comes from. The, the festivals of the Lord are the layout for God's plan through the ages. Christ will return in the fall. That's all I'm going to say. If you're interested, you go on, on a YouTube site and you can learn about this. I taught on it extensively, charts, graphs, everything. Set your hope, he says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope. I need to set my hope on things that cannot be shaken. Set my hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is what? Revealed. When's he going to be revealed? At his coming. It's the second coming. So here's the God who loves me, who created me for himself, who died sacrificially for me, and he's saying, Randy, don't hope, don't set your hope on things in this world, on temporal things. Set your hope, fix your hope, anchor your hope on what's going to be given to you when Christ returns. You say, what's going to be given to us? Well, the first thing that's going to be given to us is a new body. How many are up for that? A new body, <laughs> like Christ's resurrection body. No more sickness, pain, sorrow, death. It's going to be a body that will be invulnerable, eternal. And more importantly, all the horsepower is going to be turned on. It says in Scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, we're going to know even as we are known. Uh, so it's, it's, that alone will be the most extraordinary thing for us. But it also means he's going to set up his kingdom on this earth for a thousand years. You can read about that in Revelation 20. You don't have to trust me. Read it for yourself. So I'm to set my hope not on things that are shakable, not on things that are, it might happen, it might not happen. I'm to set my hope so that my soul will be anchored, my soul will be stable. Good seasons, bad seasons, boring seasons, everything in between. I've got my hope set on the right thing. I'm not, I'm not hoping for anything in this life because it, it may come, it may not come. But I'm going to set my hope so that my heart won't be disappointed, discouraged, confused, misled on what Christ is going to bring when he returns. One more verse, Hebrews 6, 9, it says, We have this hope as a what? Anchor for the soul, firm and secure. You need an anchor for your soul. I need an anchor for my soul. My soul has the propensity to drift anybody here would acknowledge your soul has a, a propensity to drift yeah I think if we're honest most of us know the truth of that I need an anchor and sometimes the anchor is knowing the truth about who I am where I'm at in God's timeline what's occurring I, I need to be awake to the time that I'm in so that I can fix my hope on that which cannot be shaken couple questions we started off by saying that we need to detach from those things that are shakable maybe probably <laughs> there's at least one person here that man you're so you're so caught in the land of Ur you are an, you are an Ur right you are so in the land of Ur you want newer nicer bigger better you're chasing the rainbow you're so absorbed 
with your vocation, with your house, with your law and the stripes and everything. And <laughs> I envy you. <laughs> but you're just like me. We, we're all vulnerable to this. That's why God said, don't, don't, don't fall in love with this world. It's got a lot of glimmer. It's got a lot of enticement. Offers you that pleasure. That pleasure is sweet in the mouth, but bitter in the belly. Feels good for a while, hurts for a long time. Those possessions, when you first get them, you feel really good. It's really a rush, really exciting. But then they start to get old and boring, and you got to get newer. You got to get nicer. You got to get bigger. You got to get better. So maybe, just maybe, the Spirit of God lovingly showed up this morning just for you to say, you know, you're... You're too wound up, man. You're too attached. You're too, you're too woven in. Don't, don't love this world. It'll disappoint you. It'll break your heart. It, it'll grind you up and spit you out. It's done that for generation after generation after generation. Don't be tricked. Detach from it and anchor your soul on the things that are eternal. I'm going to share one last passage with you. It's really a cool one. What's impressive in the sight of God? In the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, it's this weird passage where it says, God's looking down on human beings. And this is what impresses him. He says, there was this group of people, Malachi, look it up on your own sometime, verse 3, chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. There's this group of people, and God says, those people revered me. Man, those people, they like me. And those people honor me. They're, they're trying to live in a way that presents my image to the world he says and those people talk to each other they talk to each other about me and God you read it on your own God calls his angels and he says get a scroll from me get a, get a scroll get a scroll I want you to write down the names of these people that revere me and honor me and talk to one another about me and he says in the day in the day when I take my treasure up, they will, be, they will be my treasure possessions. What impresses God? Your like of Him, your love of Him, your trust in Him, your devotion to Him, your love of righteousness, your love of compassion, your love of goodness, your willingness to trust in a promise of a kingdom that your eyes cannot see, in a God that your ears cannot hear, that grabs the attention of the eternal God and impresses him I want to impress God I hope you'll like me too but I really want to impress God and if I have to lose the like of you and every human in the world to impress God I'm going to make that trade I hope you will too let's pray Father thank you thank you for the certainties Thank you for the privilege that, that we really could be the generation, the generation that gets to see your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as in heaven, and we might be your last representatives. Thank you for this unspeakable privilege. You know we'll need courage. You know we'll need enablement. Surely we can count on that. May you help us to make tough decisions that some of us probably do need to make right now. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen.